you you wrote a book, but a lot of people don't think about the marketing plan and what goes into it and when they need to start thinking about it. Be the expert. So when you're pitching the media, remember that it's not necessarily about you or the book. You're like, yeah, we include that in the pitch, but it's about what the audience can learn from your expertise when you peg it to a news story. You are going to love this episode with my friend, Ashley Bernardi. So I met Ashley oh my gosh, a few years ago. And I think we just met like on social through mutual friends. And I love her to pieces. We do kind of the same thing. Um, But she is super niche, her and her team in experts, specifically experts who write nonfiction books. And I get approached a lot by people, whether it be on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, or maybe you're on my email list and you've sent me emails about this. But Many people want to know about marketing their nonfiction books and they all make the same mistake, which we're going to get to. And then after they make that mistake, they make another, which we will also get to in this podcast. So if you are thinking about writing a book or you already have, then you will love this episode with my friend, Ashley Bernardi. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me on the Become a Media Maven podcast. Oh, thank you, Christina. I'm so happy to be here with you. I would say I'm so happy to chat with you, but we chat all the time via Voxer. Yeah, yes. Every day, I feel like, and it's the best. So now other people can just get in on our conversation. So Ashley, I love you for so many reasons, but today all of my listeners are going to love you because you are going to teach them how to market a nonfiction book for more sales because you are the go-to person for this. I love that. Thank you so much. And I do feel like the go-to person because I love it. I love working with nonfiction book authors. And I feel that um, there's a lot that nonfiction book authors need to know about marketing their book, whether they're a first-time author or an or an eighth-time author. Um, you, you wrote a book, but a lot of people don't think about the marketing plan and what goes into it and when they need to start thinking about it. Um, I've had authors come to me, you know, a week before their book is launched and they'll say, Hey, so my book comes out next week and we're looking for a publicist and a media relations expert to help me publicize the book. And guess what I tell them, Christina? It's too late. Too late. No, I say no. I say no. I turn down the work. Um, because I don't like fire drills and, uh, it's something that should have been thought about as soon as your final manuscript was turned in, if not before that. Okay. Okay. We will get into more of that. But first, can you tell me why you love working with nonfiction authors so much? Like why that particular niche? Yeah. So my background, as you know, is in journalism. And I want you to go deeper into that because I am a big believer that if you want to be in the media, you need to hire the media. And I think that's another reason why we love each other so much. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell us what your background is and how that kind of led you into the nonfiction author industry. 
Yes. And I think a lot of that also falls into like why I love working with nonfiction authors so much. Um, but like one of the reasons is because they, they are, their expertise is so marketable with the media. Um, okay. So before I get into that, I was a, as you know, former, um, network news producer. So I was a producer at, uh, the early show on CBS News. I also was a senior booker and producer for an energy and environmental show that aired on Bloomberg and also a producer for Washington Post Live. So before I crossed over into publicity, I spent a decade in producing uh, national TV shows. And when I was there, I had an opportunity to, oh gosh, I was traveling the world, producing breaking news stories, booking guests for breaking news stories on you know, anything from I mean, I've, I mean, I really have done it all. I've done the Virginia Tech massacre. I covered Natalie Holloway. I don't know if you remember that. Um, when I was producing for energy and environmental news, I was covering stories of the international climate conferences in Copenhagen and Cancun. Uh, and that was amazing. I got to work with presidential candidates, heads of state, celebrities. Um, and as you know, working in the news cycle, I felt like I lived and breathed my work all the time. Um, and I finally found that like, I think what it was once my show on Bloomberg, um, was ended up being canceled as all good shows are after an amazing run of four years, I decided I wanted to get into PR. Um, part of it is because I was kind of tired of burning the midnight oil all the time. And I just felt like, let me see what, what it would be like to have a day job where I'm not so much married to a news desk and traveling all the time. So I tried my hand at PR. And what I found was that I was really good at it. And well, I, obviously, you were good at it because you were probably <laughs> pitched by a lot of terrible publicists while you were in I news. So many publicists. I could like we could go through stories all day long about terrible pitches and ways that I was pitched. Um, but yeah, what I did find, I started at a small PR firm in DC, and what I found was that I was booking guests really quickly and kind of running circles around uh, a lot of people. Um, and there, and everyone there was great, but I was the one that had that network news experience. I had that journalism background, so I knew exactly how to speak to the media because I was the media. I knew exactly how to pitch them. I knew exactly how to write a pitch. I knew exactly how to write a subject line that they were going to read. I knew when to call them, when not to call them, and because of that, like within the first three months there, I was booking the Today Show and MSNBC and everyone's like, who is this girl? Um, and so after a year of that, I was like, well, I'm going to try this on my own. And I did. I launched my company in 2015. It's been four years and I have not looked back. But I started with with nonfiction book authors. That my, a nonfiction book author was my first client. Here's what I love about nonfiction book authors. Nonfiction books have an amazing capability to be positioned in the news cycle because they're true, they're factual. Um, so whether it's a science-based book, a business-based book, a book based on motherhood, you always have an opportunity to push, you have a better chance of positioning those authors as experts, business experts, lifestyle expert, science, whatever their background credential is, doctor of this, to whatever's going on in the news cycle right now. And that's why I love it so much because I still can have my hand in the news. And by doing that, I get to have great success with my book authors as well and make them the news. Um, like for example, right now I'm working on a story and with an author on food safety, uh, and how the food recalls in the U S are on the rise. We have the, um, and so we're working on a story with that. We're positioning him in the media as the expert to talk about why food recalls are on the rise in the U S and we've gotten him a ton of radio interviews and press around it because it's newsworthy. It's newsworthy. 
And nonfiction authors are newsworthy no matter what topic you're writing about. I always tell people you're low-hanging fruit, whether you are a product-based business or a service-based business, your low-hanging fruit is always going to be your expertise because no matter what you want to promote, no matter what your end goal is or the long game, you are an expert in something and that's what you're going to get coverage on. So a nonfiction author, like that is everything. Yeah. And you know what I tell my authors? I say, be the expert. So when you're pitching the media, remember that it's not necessarily about you or the book. Like, yeah, we include that in the pitch, but it's about what the audience can learn from your expertise when you peg it to a news story. Exactly. Exactly. And don't you think the biggest mistake people make is they make it all about their book? Like they think all these people care about their book? Yep. Yep. You can't, no, you bury, you bury the lead, um, all always. So when you are publicizing your book, you can't go out to a local member of the media and say, Hey, I have this new book coming out and here's why I think your audience would like it. You say, Hey, a new study found that da, 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 or, uh, coming up in, you know, national nutrition month, you find that news peg, um, whether it's new study data, statistics, current events, anything. And you be the expert to weigh on that news peg. And, and oh, also, by the way, you do have a book coming out and you can bring that on set with you and they can title you on screen as author of this book. But you might be talking about a different topic unrelated to the book. That's okay. You're still marketing your book. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of authors, they don't understand that or they just want to like close the deal real quick, right? Like they just, my goal is to sell more books. So I need to market the book, but you're not, unless you're a celebrity, you're not going to get coverage for your book. No, for your book coverage for your book. It's, it's all, it it does happen, but if you want it to happen, you have to take hold of every single opportunity and be aware of current events in the news cycle. So when I onboard clients, I say, okay, great. We've got this book coming out right now. Um, but I want to know right now, what are some current events and topics that, that you would weigh in on in the news? Like give me like your top line five. So write those down. What are some of those right now that you want to be talking about in the news? And what are your talking points? What would you say in the interview? And that's how we pitch you. And the, 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 we bury the part that you're author of this book only when we get you booked on set or whether it's on set or an op-ed, do we slip the title in there and ask for the hyperlink. And always it's, I mean, majority of the time they do. You've done, you've seen these interviews where in local and national TV, they put the JPEG of the book cover up on set, even if the topic uh, is not related to the book, but they're author of, and then they say the book title. So it's, it's a win-win always, even if it's not something that's directly related to the expertise of your book. And let's go back to what we mentioned at the beginning that people are waiting too long to even think of a marketing plan. Oh my God. Yes. This is my biggest, my biggest thing for authors. So I would say as you're, as you finish your book, immediately start thinking about your marketing plan. So if you have a publisher, start asking them about the marketing plan. When are you going to see it? Because publishers put together marketing plans. If you're self-publishing book, you can create your own marketing plan or you can bring in an expert to help you do that. But you need to start your book marketing plan early. When I say early, I'm not talking a week from your launch, three months from your launch, I have authors who come to me a year prior to launch and we start building momentum by getting them first on local TV and radio, even just talking about the book title We're not and positioning them as experts in the media on various subjects. But author of the forthcoming book, you can start doing that as soon as you have a title of your book. Um, and then we're, more aggressive marketing campaigns start taking place about six months prior to launch. 
why six months? Because long lead print um, starts covering. So like, let's say you want to be in family circle and good housekeeping and Oprah, they are long lead. You start pitching them six months out, start pitching those book reviewers six months out. So if you want to start thinking about a solid marketing plan, you want to at least have something ready to go nine months prior to your launch date. Okay, so tell me what this marketing plan should look like. Say I have a book idea in mind and I think it's going to be ready in a year, but I'm writing the book. How do I even put together a marketing plan? What does that look like? Okay, so your marketing plan, what I would look, here's what I would do. You would put together a monthly calendar. So let's say your book comes out in July of 2020 and it's July 2019. Okay, so you submitted your manuscript. So August 2019, you have your action items. So you start making a list of influencers that you wanna connect with. You start making a list of your media targets that you wanna connect with. You're maybe having monthly calls with your publisher. Maybe you wanna start interviewing potential publicists to bring on with your publisher to help support the media outreach. You are putting together and having conversations with your social media manager. Maybe you're doing social media yourself. So you start doing that early of what you want your book launch to look like. You also, what I like doing is setting goals. Um, Some of my authors have very, very aggressive goals. Some have more realistic goals. But let's say my goal is to be on at least 30 podcasts by the time my book launches. My goal is to have at least one or two national radio, uh, national radio, national TV, set some goals, a couple guest posts, and then outline how you're going to get there and where you wanna target. So those first couple months are a lot about goals and making sure you have all of your ducks in a row, making sure that your team is talking to each other. And when I see your team, I say you and your publisher or your, and your social media manager and your publicist if you have an outside publicist. Then as you get closer to launch, um, your plan should incorporate maybe some pitches when you start writing pitches to the media. So I would say if you're writing you know, for long lead about seven months out, you start writing your long lead pitches. Um, and then you put together your list of targets of who you're targeting for long lead media. And then you start sending those out to long lead media and even podcasters. As you know, Christina, podcasters book way far out in advance. So if you want to get your book on a podcast around your launch date, you probably need to be pitching them six months out too. So you start pitching around six months and Include that in your plan. Make sure you're doing follow-up the entire time. And then I would start incorporating national TV into that plan about four months prior, uh, especially if your topic is more lifestyle focused. So let's say if it's a cooking demo or um, or it's something like visual to show, anything visual demo, like if there's anything around, like let's say you're publishing a book around Mother's Day, um, you want to pitch that four months in advance, at least to just get on their radar. Um, so, and, and also the book, the, every single national show, um, so Today Show, Good Morning America, and CBS This Morning, they all have book producers and they get a ton of books. So the sooner you can pitch them, the better. Um, and then about three months prior is when the full scale campaign is completely incorporated. And when I say campaign, the media relations campaign of the marketing plan is implemented. So in your little calendar, you start, you have all your pitches written for national TV, for podcasts for local TV, for local radio, for print online, you have some guest post op-ed ideas, all in the plan. It's already all right there, ready to go, all of the topics. So this all took like, what, three, four, five months to put together, and in in three months out, you are in 
full action mode of pitching everyone and you're starting to see some placements, some traction, some reviews come in. The goal is to have on or around your book launch as many podcast interviews published on or around book launch, as many TV placements done on or around book launch and many as many print online placements. But everyone says, when's the right time to start getting the press? It, really, if your pre-orders are available uh, online on Amazon, then you can start publicizing your book and getting uh, press for it. I had a book, um, just had a great review in the Toronto Sun. This book doesn't come out until, like this book does not come out for another five months, but that review we're using to help build momentum and leverage other placements. So as you can see, you start back, you go month by month with your goals and you start incorporating more of your pitches the closer you get to launch. And I think it's great that you're pointing out how important it is to start early because so many people, I think they start later for a couple of reasons. One, they just don't know what to do. And then two, they want to wait until people can actually buy the book. But I always come back and I say, well, why would they buy your book if they don't know you? They don't like you. They don't trust you. Look at the people who are at the top of the bestsellers list. They will publish a book and it automatically makes the list because they're already known, liked, and trusted because they did this work prior to releasing their book. Okay. So you just said a lot and that was a lot to do, but you spread it out over a year. Now I have a couple of questions. I'm going to ask them at once and then you can handle, (laughs) handle them however you want. Perfect. One, it is a lot of work. This isn't easy stuff. I mean, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. We'll say it like that. So if people are self-publishing, obviously they got to handle this on their own, but they also have to handle this on their own many times if they are using a publisher. So I want you to explain that. And then I also want you to explain what this is in dollars and cents, because so many people would rather just have somebody do this for them, but it is time consuming. It does take a lot of strategy and that comes with a price tag. Yeah. Okay. So self-publishing and, and doing it yourself. It is so much work, which is why people like me exist because it is so time intensive. And I have an entire team that spends all day pitching authors. An amazing team. Can we just say real quick? They are pretty amazing. So I, I, I say this because yes, if you think you can go out, if you can dedicate, (laughs) you know, a lot of time, like for your book, 15 to 20 hours a week on pitching yourself. I mean, it's a, it's a full depart. It's a part to full time job. Um, then go for it. It could certainly be done, but most authors and even self-published authors that, that I work with just don't have the time to do it because they're running their own businesses. They're doctors, they're lawyers. They're like, I can't do this. So, um, if you have a publisher, not all publishers are created equal. Not all public in-house publicists at publishers are created equal. You can, you might say, Oh great. I have a publisher in my, in my publishing house. They're going to be pitching me. Yes, they are. But they're also probably pitching 15 to 20 other titles any given time. So how much love is your book actually going to get? Not, not quite sure. You should have a conversation with your publisher very early on and talk to them about, well, would you, do you think it would make sense if do things one, do you want me to help pitch? Cause obviously we want, we both want the best results for this book or two, would it make sense for me to hire an outside publicist? And usually I work with publishers all the time, every single day at all, all the major publishers. 
all of these in-house publicists are always grateful for the teamwork and the collaboration because in the end, it's about selling books and the marketing and success of the book. Um, so just keep in mind that at many of the in-house publicists work with many different given authors at any given time. There's only so much love to go around and, and bandwidth to go around. So keeping that in mind, pitching the media, whether you do it yourself or your publisher is doing it for you, it takes a lot of time and bandwidth. Is, it always comes down to bandwidth. So the cost of this, I think that was your other question, right, Christina? It was. Okay. The cost, because this takes so much time, it can run up to thousands of dollars a month, thousands. Um, especially if you want to get a good publicist, a good book launch publicist. Um, I would say, you know, probably minimum for a full scale three month campaign for, and I, I, my campaigns run minimum three months because that's really how long it's going to take to see, to generate success and results. I do have some authors work with me for a year. Some work with me for six months leading up to launch, but that like for full scale is going to start at $5,000 a month. So it is a big, big investment. And everyone says, Oh, well, you know, what's my ROI? That's such a huge risk. You can't guarantee media placements. No, we can't guarantee media placements, but we guarantee we are going to do a really amazing job. And I've never not had a successful campaign. Um, so you just want to make sure that you're interviewing the right publicist. They're interested in the content, ask them that and ask them if they have a media background, because that's going to be make or break of a successful campaign. Can we talk about how annoying it is when people ask us, well, what's the ROI? You can't oh. guarantee anything like yep. every day. Oh dear God, people <laughs> like Day. No, we can't guarantee it because it is earned media. If you want something guaranteed, you can pay a hell of a lot more than 5000 a month and pay yep. for an advertisement that is ignored by everybody. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. Earned media is a completely different beast than advertising. It's they're, they're just completely separate. We are helping you earn credibility and exposure. And as you say, Christina, known, liked, and trusted that's what we help you do. Um, and you know, here's what, here's the thing, like, no, it's not guaranteed, but I do my, like me, my team, we would do, we do everything it takes to make sure we get media placements. We change pitches all the time. If we think that something's not working, then we change it. We do a lot of news jumping on various news stories that are breaking. And th those are also awesome ways to position um, authors in the media. So we do a lot. And yes, it is so annoying. We're like, well, what's my ROI? Because when somebody asks me what their ROI is, that means they don't understand what I do. Exactly. It means they don't understand what you do. And I feel like I feel like it's changing like crazy now too, just because so many things that you used to not have to pay for to get the coverage. Now it's slowly turning to pay to play for many uh -huh. things on many platforms. And that is yep. because people ignore advertising and they're not paying attention to it. Yep. 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 That's, that's exactly it. It's so true. It's changing very, very quickly. I, um, like I'm personally like I, no, none of my clients have ever done any, anything pay for play. A hundred percent is all earned media. And I can tell you, I've worked with New York times bestselling authors and we have started, you know, nine months to a year out from launch and position them in the media. And we work our butts off and tails off to get them those earned media placements. And it has, it, it, so many of my authors have been bestseller statuses, multiple categories on Amazon and New York Times bestselling authors. And to add to this, when you look at places where I've gotten my clients, where you've gotten your clients, if they would have had to pay for those placements, mm. it would have cost them 
tens of thousands, if not into the hundreds of thousands of dollars for the coverage that we are landing them for free. Exactly. Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Let's go back and touch on something that you mentioned. Like you said, if a pitch isn't working, then we'll write a new one. How often should you be changing these pitches and why? Okay. So this, I love that question. Um, it really depends on the content. So if we have a pitch that we're going out, yeah. So if we have a pitch that we're going out with and you usually know very early on, um, just by feedback from your first round of outreach of the targets that you're going out to, like if it's crickets, you're like, uh, okay, uh, maybe we should think something. But if you get in a few bites, um, an interest, then you're like, okay, let's just keep this going for another week or so, uh, and see what's working. I would say like the life cycle of a pitch is definitely no longer than three weeks to a month. That's long. Um, we're constantly changing pitches. I mean, even yesterday we had a, you know, a team call of like, we thought we had a pitch that was working. We decided it wasn't, we're changing it and we're going to give it another week. And if that's not working, we're going to change it. Um, but usually when you notice the changes and like when, and here's what you can do, get feedback, as to like from producers and reporters that you might be friendly with. Why, why are I not? What, what did or didn't work? What would make it better? But um, also if it's just falling flat, then do some research and come up with a new pitch. And if somebody passes on, you know, one pitch, you can repitch them again with something else completely different. So I would say like, it's a case by case basis. You know, very early on whether or not the pitch is going to work. And if it's crickets after like the first week, it's time to make a change. Got it. Love it. Now you said, ask these producers and reporters, what if we don't have relationships? What if we didn't work in the media and we're not, you know, people who are in the industry, we're self-publishing and we don't have relationships. How do we reach out to these people? How do we find them? Okay. There's so many different ways to do this. Now you have, I mean, Twitter, um, is one, like I've had clients send direct messages to different, you know, podcast hosts, producers, reporters on Twitter that have had results. Um, also for print online, very easy to find, um, any print online reporter because they're writing the articles. And so you can, and sometimes, and often you can find their email because their emails at the bottom of the article. So you just send them an email saying, Hey, so-and-so I read your article about this. Um, I thought it was really good because, and then explain why, and I'm an expert in this and would love to be considered as a source for stories you may be working on. Please let me know if I can be a help to you. And like, just send that friendly introduction email. And then if you don't hear back, fine, but continue to follow up. Um, my favorite saying is to be pleasantly persistent. Don't be annoying or rude. Like if you haven't heard from them after like five times then chalk it up as a loss and go find somebody else to try to make friends with. Um, another strategy that I use, and this is when I first started in publicity and I don't think anyone has ever, not a lot of people do this. Um, I was needing to book a client on local TV and, um, you can find local TV executive producers, con- um, on let's say LinkedIn. Uh, you can find newsroom numbers easily on the newsroom websites. So I had to book a client on local TV, didn't have a relationship with the executive producer at all. It was a complete cold call. And, um, I knew that she got in at three in the morning because that's when executive producers get in, right? Christina, the morning show producers. So fun waking up at two so, to do that. Yeah. So I woke up at three in the morning. I called the newsroom. I, and the newsroom is always open. I asked for the executive producer. I of course got her because she was there and she wasn't getting inundated with a million other calls from publicists. And I said, Hey, I'm Ashley Bernardi. And, um, I just, I had this in-studio opportunity I wanted to run by you. And she was silent for a moment. And then she said, okay, hold up. 
first of all, I am so impressed that you're calling me right now. It was three in the morning. And she's like, second of all, like, okay, tell me about this person. So guess what happened? One, I booked the client on TV. Two, I started building a relationship with that executive producer and she ended up being one of my friends just because I called her at a time that she was available and I knew that nobody else was going to be there. So you got to catch them at the right time. I'm not saying wake up at three in the morning and do that, but be aware of like, if their show goes on air at 7 a.m., you better not be calling them at six o'clock. If their show goes off the air at 8 a.m., then 8.15 to 8.30 is probably a good time to call them. So know when those shows are on the air or off the air, make sure you're calling them way before that show goes on the air or after now morning show producers usually leave around like 9 30 10 they are out the door out the door not looking back so you have a small window of opportunity but if you catch them at the right time it's a great opportunity to build relationships and I love that you talked about reaching out to the morning producer because that's where, again, we talk about your expertise being the low-hanging fruit. When it comes to TV, it's going to be those morning shows, right? Oh, it's the morning shows. Yes, we work with so many different morning shows. Um, and you know who you and everyone's like, well, who do I pitch in morning shows? Like, yeah, you can pitch reporters or producers, but if you want to be an in-studio guest, you need to reach the executive producer for that show. Awesome. Love yeah. it. Um, yeah. You have shared lots of amazingness and lots of really good tips. I can't think of anything else that I could ask you except if people want to find out more about you and what you do and how you could possibly help them, where should they go? I love that. Thank you. Um, my website's Nardi, N-A-R-D-I Media, so nardimedia.com. You can find me there or I would love to hear from you. You can email me, ashley at nardimedia.com. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thanks, Christina. So much fun. I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you on Voxer. <laughs> I was just going to say, we're probably going to chat with each other in an hour on Voxer. Anyway. <laughs> You're the best. As always, make sure you check out the show notes for this episode. You can get more information on this episode as well as Ashley and how you can get in touch with her. If you haven't already, please tap that subscribe button. Leave me a rating or a review. It lets Apple Podcasts know that you're listening and you are liking what you are hearing. So I really appreciate it. And you can always get more help in free resources that are on my website, mediamavenandmore.com. If you head to pitch publicityprofit.com. You can get instant access to my three-day video course that will teach you how to pitch the media to earn publicity and then how to turn that publicity into profit. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you again next week.